Hello and welcome to Media Mouthwash. I'm Daniel Bentley. I'm Joseph Stashko. And we're back this week discussing all the hot media news, dissecting it, giving a rinse, giving it a scrub, and seeing what's left. Indeed. That's generally what we do, isn't it? Yeah, that's what we do. But first, we're going to move on to the news item section of the show, um, where we discuss what are the hot topics in journalism this week. What's happened this week, Joe? This week, The Sun on Sunday has been launched, and it's going to come out this Sunday. Anything you want to say about that? Um. No, you? No, not really. So oh. Let's move on. Okay, um, so the other big news this week is um, alleged sort of attempts to water down the law when it comes to freedom of information. Now, obviously, this forms a key part of uh, journal- a lot of journalists' work. Um, there's a lot of great services out there like What Do They Know? And, you know, you can even file FOIs through Twitter. You've been doing a bit of research on FOI, Dan. What do you think of this? Um, there's been a campaign launched to oppose this and uh, to save the FOI Act, as it were. What are your kind of views on FOI in the, in the UK? FOI is a funny thing because it came in from a 1997 white paper and it was a, it was a Labour uh, election pledge for 1997. And actually, by the time Labour was in government, if you if you look at you know the the political climate of the time, there was a whole thing with Mandy and passports, and like Jack Straw's son getting arrested, and Tony Blair's son passing out on, on a street drunk, and all this kind of stuff. And so, actually, while they were you know big fans of it while in opposition when by the time it came in labor actually had quite a lot of embarrassing secrets and started to actually water down the foi act before it came in and so what we have is a bill that actually sort of does its job at the moment an act that you know that generally government in this country is quite well equipped to deal with and we've had it in full effect now for seven years it came into full effect in 2005 and in that time, the rate for the time it takes to process an FOI claim has come down dramatically. So I think it started off in 2005. For each request, it took about nine hours solid to do. And now they're down to about seven hours. And so the, that obviously means the cost of FOI is coming down as, as the, the teams dealing with it you know, become more efficient. Well, I make the majority of mine through uh, com. And um, that makes everything public and you can see other people's requests. So it's quite handy because um, if you're thinking of making a request on a specific piece of information, someone may already have made that and you can see their full transcript from from what they've, the sort of correspondence they've had. And often, you know, there are these people who I've never kind of heard of in terms of in journalism at all, but they're just making them. And they're really sharp, you know, often like as soon as a new piece of policy or um, or initiative comes out from the council they'll spot it and the next day they'll file an foi about that 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 piece of the council um and they've they've got no real kind of agenda or no real sort of like intent of putting it anywhere journalistically but just kind of want to find out about it do you think there's anything we can do to strengthen foi in this country is it in general in a good state or do you think you should what what could we do to make it even better um if if that were possible the thing is, is we as citizens, we can ask for better FOI, but there's no political incentive to do it. And what you've got with the sort of open uh, data stuff that the, that the coalition have put through 
is that it it sounds good. Like, oh, we'll release all this open data, um, and that makes us look really open and democratic. And actually, what it's there to do is to throw a big bucket of water on FOI because governments don't like it. Local government doesn't like it. And so they just can now say, well, the facts are there. You can look through them all and and find out what you want to do. And that whole uh, £500, councils having to publish spending over £500 was was part of that. And actually, it's had no effect on the number of FOIs. There's a, a report called Town Hall Transparency published by UCL's politics department, and we'll put it on the blog. Quite a dense read, but it's actually really interesting to uh, to anyone who's interested in FOI. And it's got these uh, statistics here on the percentages of, of people who are filing FOIs. And so in 2005, the balance was 43% were by individuals, 29% were by businesses, and 11% was by uh, the media. And by 2009, 37% individuals, 22% business, and 33% journalists so actually journalists using twitter uh, journalists using twitter journalists using foi yeah has tripled since 2005 okay cool um will be interesting to kind of follow that um, we'll put all the related stories up on the blog um and all the stuff that you just mentioned we'll link to as well so this is a thing joe I have always noticed with each social media tool that comes out and gets any sort of popularity is that there'll be somebody who does it really well or really differently or will generally get a lot of acclaim for for doing something. And the sort of obvious examples are like Andy Carvin with Twitter and the Arab Spring. Yeah. Well, Andy Carvin already had a job at at NPR and, and still does the same thing. With these, all these social tools, is there's people who just get them and, yeah, and, and carve a niche for themselves. Yeah. Um, one of those people is Anthony DeRosa, who's now a Reuters social media editor, but before just did um, a Tumblr blog in his spare time called Soup Soup. And he, he tumbled the news and got himself a job on the Reuters social media desk. And I just think it's one of those things where I think all these services give you an opportunity to to do that. Yeah, I mean, there's, there's always opportunity there. I mean, it's like things when I... It was a period where I had been storifying myself having breakfast. Um, and Yeah, you still haven't got a job out of Storify, have you? No, they really kind <laughs> of owe it to me, really. But um, no, no, I mean, but something like that, you know, even though I haven't, you know... I forgot you're the Storify guy. <laughs> you haven't Storified in a while, um, Joe. I'm kind of looking, you know, obviously looking for a job, but I haven't been given one yet. But what I mean is stuff like that obviously got a huge exposure to my work yeah and you can do the same for any kind of tool that's coming out like so. what were the hits on that oslo thing i was like over twelve thousand, i think um and yeah there was one for the london riots as well which was around fifteen thousand, wow. i think so yeah um so i mean you know plenty of opportunity when people are sort of slow on the uptake they new on something basically i think that's where it comes to but we'll, we'll so, play a clip now and it's from a another podcast so we'll credit it it's creative Commons, so we can just stick it in yeah but it, it's it's from the social hour which is a podcast on the on the twit network um and yeah they, they talked to anthony de rose about how he got a job at reuters 
Well, uh, I was a very early adopter of the service back in 2007. I think it was mostly San Francisco and New York users that were heavy on Tumblr at the time. It hadn't really gone international yet. Uh, different parts of the country really haven't started to pick it up. And it was really a simple way for me to upload photos from my camera phone. At first, that's how I used it. And if uh, if you would have gone back to my early archives, there are a lot of pictures of me at a alligator preserve in Florida. And I was shooting photos that all these alligators that I was seeing visiting my uh, folks down there. Uh, but that, quickly, I, I began to realize that there are other people on the service and the real the real magic of it is being able to see what other people are posting and finding interesting things, grabbing them and adding your own commentary to it. And there's people that are posting things about um, fashion and design and technology, but I was really kind of keyed in on uh, news stuff. And when big news would break or if there were things going on, like with the Irish Spring, I started to pick up a lot of that stuff and uh, and use it as a, a news reporting source. And people started to come to me a lot to see what was going on with the Irish Spring for a while. Were you looking for a job, you know, in a newsroom? Is this just something that you enjoyed doing and you had enough free time to be able to be completely on top of it, to be the one that I mean, for many people was breaking news on Tumblr? Um, well, I would at my job at the time I was on in product uh, and I was working on financial stuff. So whenever I had lags in the day where you know I just wanted to see what was going on in the world, I would jump on different news sites. And then after discovering Tumblr, people were aggregating and and grabbing the really big stories. And I would use Tumblr as a way because I didn't have a lot a lot of time in the day to to go read really long form articles. But they would give you short glimpses, and I was able to fit that into little brief periods of the day and grab things and people think, oh, how do you work and, and uh, see all this information? But t Tumblr makes it so quick and easy for you to either uh, take in that information or share that information. I was able to kind of fit that into my day, whether I was at work or I was at, whether I was at home. How did this job at Reuters come about? Did they, was there a job posting? Did you create one for yourself? Yeah, there was a job posting, you know, that they had looked for someone who would be able to focus in on the social media aspect of how they cover the news. And I felt like I would be an ideal person to do something like that. And they, they didn't they kind of realized quickly that they had someone under their noses who was really focused in on that stuff. So uh, they came to me and said, why don't you apply for this job? I think, you, you know, you'd be ideal for it. Um, and actually around the same time. Uh, David Carr works at the New York Times uh, as a friend of mine, and and, uh, and he read something on my Tumblr about how I felt like I was a digital surf uh, in this huge feudal empire of social networks, which is kind of <laughs> ironic uh, because the point I was making was, oh, I'm giving away all this content and I'm not getting anything out of it. Well, the thing I got out of it was that I was able to uh, get an opportunity to do what I was doing uh you know, as a freelancer and make it a career. Okay, so moving on to one of our regular items, which is Gaff of the Week. And which you're doing this week, John. Yeah, this time I'm taking the reins of the, the Gaff reins. Be careful with my baby. And, uh, yeah, manhandling it through the, the corridor of media mouthwash. Um, yeah, this week, uh, obviously, as discussed heavily earlier in the show, The Sun on Sunday is due to launch this week. And there's obviously been a lot of media speculation, uh, lots of comments everywhere. One of the, one of the people that's been really vocal and seems to be on almost every channel, and I follow him on Twitter, is Michael Wolf, who is Rupert Murdoch's biographer. Um, now, obviously, he's had a fair insight into the workings of the Murdoch family, 
so he's been asked to give a lot of analysis uh, in a lot of different places, a lot of different shows, and in print uh, on what the hell is going on at News International and what the next move of the sun might be. So on the 17th of February, he was on Adam Bolton's show on Sky. So what, you're saying you don't think that we will see a sun on Sunday very soon? You don't think we will see people who've been suspended reinstated? Uh, well, we, we, we may see people um, um, who have been suspended, reinstated. That does, not mean, that does not necessarily mean to say that they will ultimately keep their jobs or stay out of jail. And no, I do not think that we will see a sun on Sunday. Not now, not ever. And in Mike Wolf's defense is that he is clearly American and the sun is owned by an American company. Yeah. So the American investors in News Corp couldn't give two hoots about the sun. Yeah. And so what they see is a sort of toxic part of the company they're invested in. Yeah. Because all it's, it's doing is getting bad rep. And from, it's a tiny, tiny part, you know, financially and in terms of staff as well. You know, News Corp in, employs thousands of people and this is just a tiny part of it and it, it's bringing a lot of bad press to them. So... Yeah, I guess if I was a shareholder sitting in New York, I'd be like, well, it's accent, you know? Yeah. I mean, it's it, it's Murdoch's style of business to be a bit blasé about yeah. it. There was the whole, like, uh, eating humble pie stuff last year with the closing of the news of the world. But really, you know, that's all part of his strategy. Yeah, uh, yeah And, you know, everyone loves a comeback. Yeah, he's very shrewd. I mean, the amount of press he's generated from the fact that he flew to London for some, like, mystery meeting to, like, address the Sun newsroom. And then while he's here, announces that the Sun on Sunday is going to happen and it's going to be this week. It's, um... Yeah. I said we weren't going to talk about the Sun on Sunday. We're not. <laughs> oh. We're, we're, Hoist, we're hoisted by my own petard. I know. It's, uh, That's how he works. So you, yeah, you can't not talk about it's him. It's the ultimate gaff of the week awarded to Joseph Stashko for um, going back on his word that he wasn't going to discuss <laughs> the sun on Sunday. Yeah, I mean, it's, I guess it's good news if you work for the sun. Yeah. Unless you, you now have to, like, work on a Saturday. Yeah, it'll be interesting to see if it is the, a Sunday edition of the yeah. sun or whether it, it is news of the world by any other name. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Um, so kind of inadvertently... Um, discuss the sun on sunday there thanks michael wolf i think um, it's the longest i hit him on the show yeah it's pretty terrible um <laughs> that was a rubbish gaff i'm having it back next week yeah okay sorry i'm i'll stick to my apps but that was the gaff of the week or we'll link to or embed the uh, the video clip on the show page so after that we are moving on to our final item of the week and it's... It's app of the week. It's your app of the week. It's my app of the week. I have a phone too. <laughs> so what is it? This week's app of the week is called Software Data Cable. Sounds very cool. Yeah, it's, it's, it doesn't have the sexiest name. It, it has all its vowels. And it has three words. So I don't know how well it's really. going to catch on. In yeah, terms I don't of, think it will. But it's useful, which is the main thing. So tell me about it. Why is it good? Software data cable. Have you, well, Joe, in your bag now, Yeah. do you have the USB cable for your phone? Yes. Oh, you wanted me to say no. Okay. Yeah. Right. Okay. Well, you know, 
You need to get the data off your phone, Joe. Okay. Because you have been in Oxford Circus as some sort of riots gone on at yeah. H&M at Oxford Circus. Right. They just announced the new Versace collaboration. Right. It's gone mental. Absolutely right. Yeah. And then, and you have your phone, Joe, and you have filmed the whole thing. And it is stunning. That's, yes. Brilliant journalism, isn't it? But you have not got your USB cable. What am I going to do? What are you going to do? <laughs> you need software data cable. <laughs> You're really selling it to me. Keep going. Okay. Basically, you stick your phone and your computer on the same Wi-Fi network. You can set up a, like an ad hoc Wi-Fi network from your yeah. phone or from your computer. But as long as there's some sort of Wi-Fi connection between them, it'll work. And you start software data cable and your phone appears as a drive on your computer. And so you can just drag and drop your stuff off it and get it onto your computer cool. and get it to the news desk. <laughs> Sharpish. Yeah, quick, quick sharp. Yep. Get it to the news desk before you tweet it. <laughs> so a yeah, little uh, link to last week's show for you regular listeners. Yeah. And the best of all, Joe. <laughs> what? It's completely free. <laughs> Excellent. Um, so yeah, feel free to throw away your USB cable, <laughs> except that you might need it to charge your phone. <laughs> so yeah, that's um, software data cable for um, cheeky scamps like me um, when we're out and about doing um, doing mobile journalism. So thanks for listening. I've been Daniel Bentley. I've been Joseph Stashko. Come back next week for more media mouthwash.